Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from listeners, people who love the show enough to donate at our website, thebittersweetlife.net, or through Patreon at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. Support also comes from Italy Beyond the Obvious, offering travel consulting and planning services for your next Italian vacation. ItalyBeyondTheObvious.com And if you run a business, a podcast, or any other kind of artistic endeavor, and you want a shout-out from us on our show, support us on Patreon at the $50 a month level. If you've never heard this show before, glad you found us. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a longtime public radio producer and host who five years ago stepped off the path, quit my job, and moved to Rome. That was very out of character for me. But that's where this show begins, and where we begin exploring what happens when you take a risk. What happens when you decide to begin again? Or what happens when you move abroad, or even just away? Together we hope to discover what possibilities life is still offering us. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and an expat living in Rome for the last decade. She dreamed of moving to Rome, and so she went. No real plan other than to try. We're childhood friends, too. We met on the school bus in the sixth grade. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning of the show. That's when we're on the streets of Rome. And subscribe and join us today, too. We'll keep you in good company. And you might just change your life. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello. Hello. This is Katie and I'm here with Derek. Hello. And this is a very echoey sounding room. Why, Derek? Because our apartment is empty. Our San Francisco apartment is empty and we are officially moving. We are moving north. We are returning to our roots for the time being. We are going to Seattle. Now come stand with me by the window. This whole year in San Francisco, we've had the, or two years in San Francisco, we've had the most amazing view, which is expansive. You can pretty much see all the way out to the the bay, over to Oakland, the entire downtown, Bernal Heights. And I'm really going to miss this view. How are you feeling, Derek? Do you feel like you're ready to hit the road? Um, Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to being back. It is a very pretty view. I will miss it. Yeah, I think we're feeling a little unreal at the moment. Kind of sad, wistful, difficult to imagine that tonight we won't be here and that we won't be here again tomorrow. I feel like this every single time. You're just ready to hit the road, right? Yep, ready to go. Derek's just a moving man. (laughs) All right, now we're going to do the real fun task of trying to wrangle the cats, but I'm not going to record that because they are already very traumatized. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Well, Katie. Well. That's some big news you got there. Big news. Some people are like, I knew that was coming. Yes. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe. We, um, a couple weeks ago, we, no, a couple months ago now, we hinted about a big change coming in Katie's life, but... You know how podcasting is and vacation time as well. So we um, 
we had some other stuff in the shoot to get to <laughs> before we talked about this. And we wanted to talk about it on the first, is today the first day of our new season? Am I confused? Yes, it is. <laughs> the first day of season lucky number seven. Woot woot. I hope that means that me moving away from San Francisco wasn't a terrible mistake. Well, that <laughs> remains to be seen. But I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your decision to go. I mean, you'd only lived in San Francisco, what, a year and a half? You moved around Christmas time, if I remember. It was, yeah, it was coming up on two years. Okay. Yeah. Derek lived there a little longer than me because he moved down sooner. Okay. But yeah, a little over a year and a half, probably. Okay. I like to think of it as two years, but you know, <laughs> I can like to think of it anything as anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Year and a half or so plus. And I know I kind of hinted at it on this show, but fairly early on, I started getting this inkling that it wasn't a forever place for me mm -hmm. very quickly. And if you remember back in the New Orleans episodes when my landlord says that a month is enough time to rule a place out, but it's not enough time to rule a place in. Mm. I was right on the fence with San Francisco. I think I needed a little bit more than a month to rule it out. But I knew fairly soon that there was no way I was going to work super hard to put down roots here. And that had a lot to do with finances, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. San Francisco is such an expensive place. I just couldn't see how realistically it would make sense for me to think that I could be there for the next couple decades. Yeah. Oof, uh, decades. From a, just from a financial standpoint. But I mean, it's not like Seattle is so cheap. It's not, but it's one notch less. Mm -hmm. For now. It's heading that for way. Now. For now. For now. <laughs> or maybe it's two notches less. But it, you just get to this point where you realize that if you're going to live in a closet... <laughs> a closet with a beautiful view though a closet with an amazing view that maybe you would want to be living in a different place mm. i knew that if i was going to live in a closet in a town that wasn't super naturey in town don't object everybody who's listening who says yes it is everywhere around it in town I would rather spend that money in Rome or something. Yeah, hell yes. When are you coming? <laughs> I mean, I liked Rome better. Because San Francisco and Rome have some things in common. And the number one one I can point to is that, like Rome, they keep all of their gardens behind mm -hmm. the houses. The houses are built in a wall. Okay. And they kind of form a central courtyard. And for us, we had a yard that we shared with a neighbor that they shared with their neighbor, you know, so they were not really individual yards in a way. So as a result, there's not a lot of nature out on the street. Like if you've been to other cities in the United States, oftentimes people have their gardens sort of spilling into the road or trees or birds and things like that. In San Francisco, a lot of that's behind, just like Rome. So it's often much more kind of concrete up front and beautiful behind. We got a lot of trees in Rome, though, I got to say. A lot. No, I know. And there are, there are trees in San Francisco, too. But but yeah, so I don't know. And you also have cobblestones, much more pleasant than concrete, <laughs> frankly. Well, I mean, you can't really compare San Francisco to Rome. I mean, you can compare San Francisco to Seattle, sure. But comparing it to Rome seems a little bit unfair. Well, I'm only saying, yeah, I know. I'm only saying, though, that... that for me, at the age that I am, being surrounded by creatures and nature and growing things mm -hmm. has become more important. And if I was going to sacrifice a regular experience around that on a day-to-day -day walking around basis, mm -hmm. I would choose Rome over 
San Francisco. I got it. That's more what I'm saying. I see. And expense wise and everything else because Rome, the apartments are terribly expensive. They can be very cramped and tiny. And in very bad shape. True. (laughs) They're in bad condition. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everything else is cheaper. The food in the grocery store. Not the gas, but yes, definitely going out to eat is super cheap compared to almost anywhere in the United States. Right. So cheap to eat out if you know where to go and you're not looking for cloth tablecloths and crystal goblets and stuff. You can eat really amazing food for almost nothing in Rome and groceries and service. Service is so cheap here. When I told my sister how much my cleaning lady charges, she almost threw up. <laughs> like, <laughs> service is so cheap here. How much? Eight euros an hour. Wow. I know. That's pretty great. I know. That's I know. I kind of feel guilty, actually. But I asked her what she wanted. <laughs> hey, you know, that's just one of many things. I'm just using that as an example. But yes. there were a lot of reasons why, at least in the year and a half I lived there, San Francisco wasn't fitting my vibe. And I feel like I would have loved it maybe more if I was in my 20s. Mm. But in my early 40s... Katie's I, a lot older than me. <laughs> I <didn't have> the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't have the energy for it. I wasn't showy enough. You Californians are showier than yeah. people who come from Washington State. Yes. You know, that's not to say that I don't know how to dress up, but I don't talk super loud on the phone. <laughs> I just insulted everybody. No, I'm just kidding. It was just a lot of different things. Yeah. I remember you mentioning early on that you were not super thrilled with the, with the typical San Franciscan. Yes. Sort of the downtown vibe. Yeah. You found them pretentious. Not pretentious, showy showy it's different i didn't find that that they were like egotistical and mean i found that they were showier yeah mm-hmm. and add to that though this weird combination of showier and also more self-contained hmm. how does that work i know uh i mean everybody walks around looking at their phones but i really felt like most of the people i encountered in a day were much more in a bubble than i would encounter in other cities they're listening to their own thing. They're reading their phones. They're doing whatever. We're all doing that. I get that. But almost immediately upon leaving and driving up the coast and going to other little towns, it was night and day to how much I felt like people were interacting with me. Mm-hmm. Shop owners looking me in the face. People on the street that I'm walking by saying good evening. All of a sudden, as soon as I got out of that metropolis into the smaller towns in California, it was much more, hello, and how's it going? And, and that continued all the way up the coast. And you don't think that's just a small town, big town thing? It could be that. I think it's a combination of that. But I mean, it's also a massive tech hub. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are really teched up. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. Derek's super teched up. You know, <laughs> Derek loves technology. I personally, though, am, as we know, if you listen to the show, a little bit more of an analog person. (laughs) I like to not be as surrounded by technology, with the exception of I'm a podcast addict. (laughs) Everything about San Francisco is incredible. Like, I'm not saying it's not one of the most amazing places. It just wasn't the right place for me at this time of my life. That's it. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. No, I don't think anyone can blame you for that. Uh, Not every city is right for every person. And there are places where you'd love to visit, but you would not want to live. I feel like that about LA. I love going to LA. I would not want to live there. Yeah. Why? Too many people. Too much driving. Too much traffic. 
too much chaos, too much, I don't know, the air isn't good. There's lots of reasons. It's just not, it's too big. It's too sprawling. I like a place that I can walk around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But of course, as you heard in that piece of tape, as soon as the decision is reached that we are indeed going to leave, then, then, Tiffany, the nostalgia just comes on like a massive wave and I start thinking am I making a terrible mistake and I'm walking around going to museums I haven't been into yet walking around downtown noticing all the beautiful architecture (laughs) and it's not like I hadn't noticed this stuff before but I just had that real crisis of did I make enough of this place I lived in one of the most what people think of as one of the best cities in America, one of the most beautiful, the Paris of the West. Did I make enough of this opportunity here? Did I see enough? And did I not give myself enough time here? And I don't know. I mean, that could be my personality. As you heard in the tape, Derek's just like, let's, let's go. go. Well, he that's just a diff- personality differences because he's always been like that. He was like that about Rome and he loved Rome. And I don't know that he loved it as much as you did, but he was you know, he's the one who applied to move to Rome, not you. It was his dream, kind of. And you're the one who was like dragging your feet, not wanting to leave. So I think he's just more, he's just like that. And you and I share that tendency toward nostalgia. We both are like that because I'm the same exact way. And I've mentioned on this show before, I lived in Montreal for two and a half years and I had a horrible time there. Yeah, you hated it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing to do with the city, not much. I mean, I found the people extremely cold, most of them, but the city itself is a very beautiful city. I liked a lot of things about the city itself. Again, as a traveler, as someone going there to visit, it was a very cool place. But I had a horrible time there. I, I couldn't wait to leave. And nevertheless, when I was leaving my apartment for the last time, I like stopped in the doorway and I looked around and I was like, you're never going to be in here again. Why am I not thinking, thank God I'm never going to be in here again? Like, I don't know what it is about me. And I think you're the same way that like, we're even like, we'll hold on to things that were not necessarily good and we're not, things that were painful just because, I don't know, they're familiar or just because they're going to be gone. Like when you leave a boyfriend who you know is is bad for you and has hurt you and has you know has made you suffer and you're finally gotten up the courage to leave that person and you're still sad about it. It's that kind of thing. It is that kind of thing. So would you consider that a good personality trait or would you consider that a bad personality trait? Look, I think it's a, a typical personality trait of artist types mm. like us. I, I, I think it's you're a Pisces. I don't want to put it in astrological terms too quickly, but they say that Pisces are very emotional and very, you know, nostalgic and all of this. And they're also very artistic. And I don't know, I probably those two things are connected. And I think artists, they kind of like to suffer a little bit because that's what gives them that creative urge. And a lot of ideas come out of suffering, I think. And so maybe that's why. Well, see, and I think, too, that it, it gives a reverence for the time. Taking a moment to acknowledge or to walk out of that apartment and then go, oh, hold on a second. I'm just going to go in one more time and be there by myself one more time. Mm-hmm. I think that it acknowledges that it meant something to me, that there was a lot of good that happened here. I don't know. It's sort of like you take stock of all the good things that happened there and what you learned. And just that part of your life passed in between those walls, you know? Yeah. 
it's a moment in your life that you'll never get back. When you live in the same place, it's very easy for time to just sort of just flow past. Whereas when you move, especially if you change cities, it's a new chapter. You can't but start a new chapter. And when you think back on your life, you're like, oh yeah, when I was living in New Orleans, this happened. Or when I was living in Montreal, I felt like this and my life was going in this direction. And then I was living in Boston and it really it creates chapters in your life and you can't go back to that old chapter. Whereas if you've been living in Rome for 15 years, <laughs> I mean, I still have chapters in my life since I've been here, of course, but the divisions are a little bit hazier. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, some big event would need to happen. You need to have a child. Yes. You got married. You quit your job and did something else. Something like that. Yes. It's a bit of a dramatic change and it makes you, if you're like us, take a moment to pause and, and reflect on the life that you're leaving behind and the life that you're going to be starting, for better or for worse. Here's an interesting fact, though. So through the magic of radio, we're starting this season as if this had just happened. But really, <laughs> I, I moved in July. And so now it's September. And I had this very strange experience the other day where I was at a meeting over coffee with a, a woman I had never met before. And I said, oh, well... In the last six years or so, I've really lived in a lot of different locations. And so I feel like I'm not tethered anywhere. And she said, oh, well, what were some of those locations? And I thought, oh, well, Rome in New Orleans. And I blanked on what else for just a minute, you know, but I was sitting there going, what else? You couldn't think of San Francisco? <laughs> I couldn't think of San Francisco. <laughs> That's insane. Which is weird because it means that when the door closed, when I finally did walk out of that apartment, like I shut that door, mm -hmm. which is a very unusual thing for me. Like I still think about New Orleans or still think about Rome. And within a month and a half or two months, I had forgotten. <laughs> Obviously, I pulled it out later, but I didn't pull it out until a different guy came over to the table who hadn't seen me in two decades or something like that. And was like, oh my gosh, you know, what are you doing here? Where have you been? And I said, I spent the last two years living in San Francisco. And then I was like, ah, that's where <laughs> I was. That's crazy that you could not remember that you had just lived in San Francisco for a year and a half. That's insane, Katie. I mean, it was also late in the day and I'd had too much caffeine. But so it's still, possible that I just had a brain slip. Yeah, perhaps. But maybe you were blocking it out. <laughs> I don't think I'm blocking it out, though. Here's another interesting thing that happened. Because I don't want to discredit the friends that I had there. I had very few friends because I was mostly trying to focus on writing and this show and a few other freelance projects. And so I really did keep a lot to myself, which arguably could say that's part of the reason why I didn't integrate into the city as well as I might have if I had run out and, and gotten a real job. Mm -hmm. I totally give credit to that. But I don't want to discredit the friends that I did have there because I really did like them and they were all wonderful very different people they were all from different walks of life so none of them knew each other but and were they all native san franciscans because i had a just a brief aside i had a funny experience when i was living in montreal right i told you the people that were very cold 
Well, after about a year, I had finally made some friends and not just the other Anglophones that were from like, you know, the other parts of Canada, the Anglophone parts of Canada. I'd made some French friends, French speaking friends. And I assumed they were all from Montreal and they were just a little different. You know, they were a little bit warmer. They were a little more open. And a few months passed into our friendships and I got to talking with these girls and it turned out that every single one of them, although they were Francophones, none of them were from Quebec. One was from France, one was from Ottawa, they're from French speaking people in Ottawa, and one was from New Brunswick. And I was like, I thought you guys were all Quebecois. And they're like, nope. And I wondered, is that why they became friends with me? I never made a single Montreal friend, like a Quebecois friend, never. I know one of my friends was a transplant, but he had really bloomed when he got there. Mm -hmm. And the others had all spent time somewhere else. Okay. They lived in New York for a long time, or oh, one of them was from England. <laughs> so I guess that wasn't a native San Francisco. Uh, no. <laughs> but Lynn, Lynn, listener of the show, Lynn, I think Lynn was a native San Franciscan who left. I could be wrong about that, Lynn. I'm sorry. But left, lived in New York and came back to San Francisco. Okay. They're at least... They were rooted there. One of them was on tour with bands all the time. She was an engineering tech. I tend to attract radio people as well. You, <laughs> I wonder why. I wouldn't guess, yeah. So I really, really liked all those friends. But here's the difference that I was also noticing in this nostalgic adventure of spending time with these people at the end of my time there. Different from New Orleans. And now, granted, I was only in New Orleans for a month. But when I said goodbye to my friends there, who I would consider equally as good of friends as the people in San Francisco... When I said goodbye to my friends in New Orleans, I really did feel like, I'll see you again in not too long. Hmm. And when I left the people in San Francisco, I felt like I may not see these people again for a long time. Hmm. Because you don't think you'll even like come back as a tourist, like come back to visit. Not anytime soon. No. But I, I mean, that could be wrong because Derek is still working down in the area. So he will likely fly back every other month for a week or so. So I could always go with him. Mm, that's true. I just don't feel like I will. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I, I understand that. And it's not because I hate San Francisco. One of the last nights I was in town, I went over to my friend Charlie's house and he has two little girls. I think they were like two and four and their mom was out of town. And so him and I were hanging out with them while they were eating dinner. And then I read him a bunch of bedtime stories. And then after they went to bed, we sat and ate takeout and hung out and that was the last night I saw him and I had this notion as I was walking out his door and down to catch the transit that the next time I see him he could have kids going to college he could be like an older man whose kids have jobs and that the last time I would have seen him was when his kids were toddlers <laughs> and I think it's something about the kids too when you throw them in it really feels like I knew these little girls for this brief period of time and then the next time I see them they'll be like adults well yeah that the scary thing about kids is they will show you the passage of time like nothing else yeah I see that with my own nieces and nephews did you feel that way when you left Rome I mean was I there Rome I mean I mentioned this in a little bit of the tape that we started with today but I think Rome felt more like I'm gonna be gone and life here is gonna go on and nobody will miss me <laughs> except for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was more not in consideration of all the people I knew there because I knew that the friends there would miss us. But 
But I was more thinking of everything that happened on the block. Because in Rome, each block has its own rhythm. And I lived right on the street looking down on all of the loud stuff that happened down below. And everybody was so ritualized. The guy at the tobacco shop would get into a loud conversation with the guy across the street at the pizza place every afternoon. (laughs) Or the garbage man come every single day, which is just crazy. It was more like the rhythm of that street I was no longer going to be a part of. And that rhythm felt like it was just going to keep on breathing without me. I was a part of it, but I wasn't really in it, you know? And so it felt more like what it would be like to be plucked out of the world. I see. That things would just keep going. That's kind of what leaving Rome felt like. Leaving San Francisco felt like the end of a chapter where I turned the page and, okay, I learned a lot there. What's going to happen now? Mm -hmm. It felt different. Yeah. Felt like a closing of a book where you take all of that knowledge with you, but that book goes back on the shelf and... Mm -hmm. You see what came of it. I see. What pieces of it came with you. Interesting. Does that make sense? <laughs> I guess. I guess. Now let's talk about your journey, if you want to. Yeah, sure. How did you get all your stuff back up to Seattle? But, and by the way, we're going to talk on a future show about why Seattle again, because everybody's like, come on, we couldn't have gone somewhere more interesting. <laughs> we'll get to that, okay? <laughs> but not today. So we shoved everything do you know what a pod is you're in rome so you probably don't know what a pod is i don't think so pod is a box that you rent that looks like a part of something you might see on the back of a semi-truck okay and they drop it off at your house Mm -hmm. you have x number of days to shove all of your stuff into it you lock it up they come and they take it away and then they deliver it to you. Okay. Wherever you're going. All right. So it's sort of like hiring a moving company, but you're not paying a moving company to do anything. It's like a U-Haul, but you don't drive it yourself. I got it. <laughs> I got it. That's actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah. And, and they can store it for you. Like, for instance, if we got home, we didn't have anywhere to live. They would just take the pot away, shove it in their storage facility and wait until we called. If I was moving overseas for a year and and I needed to just stick my stuff somewhere, they would come take it away for however long. Okay. So we did that. But then we had to, because it's just going into some random warehouse or onto the back of a truck and hopefully heading towards Seattle, we had to take everything that was valuable with us. And so we rented a giant red SUV, stuck all our valuables in it, and our two cats. We could have flown up to Seattle. We could have been here in like, Two days. In two days? Does a flight take two days? Well, we had to drive. We had to drive because of the cats and the valuables. I know, but you said you could have flown. Oh, sorry. I mean, flown up the freeway. You know, ah, driven okay. Long, long, All right. You, long you can travel with cats, by the way, just, just so you know. I know. And it probably would have been better <laughs> as it was. It turned out to be a little bit of a nightmare, as you'll hear. As you'll hear. Ah, do tell. I'll play you a clip in just a moment and you'll find out why. But we decided that we were going to take the long road because Derek, as much as he is ready to get going, he also likes a transition. And if you're going to be on the road, you might as well make it cool. So instead of just flying up I-5, we meandered through towns. And so we spent one night in Chico, California, and then we spent another night in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and then we spent a night in Hood River, Oregon. And then we crossed into Washington State and we skirted up through the mountains. So we went past Mount St. Helens and we went past Mount Rainier. We're jokingly calling it our trip of active volcanoes um, (laughs) because (laughs) we went through um, 
last in volcanic national park in california mm-hmm. and so we were joking that you'd have to make an announcement on the podcast <laughs> where you'd say yeah it was the weirdest thing we thought that derek and katie were just going to move from san francisco to seattle but then the mountain they were driving on just exploded and they're dead oh gosh <laughs> you know, i'm morbid we were like constantly in active volcanic range <laughs> so, well that would be a different way to die we wouldn't have seen that coming yeah you could revisit our pompeii episode exactly and be like that happened but more so <laughs> <laughs> and mount st helens as you know did explode in 1980 i know it actually doesn't have a top right because of such a massive explosion but anywho let's revisit what it was like to travel with cats <laughs> yeah we recorded it of course Here's a little taste. Ew, this is so disgusting. What are you doing back there, Pudd? Just trying to get the chunks chunks out. Cleaning up cat vomit. We're approximately 12 minutes into our journey. (laughs) We haven't even started. There's vomit everywhere, including covering one of the cats. Everything I lift, there's more. food for you, Ooh, it really stinks. Ew, did you touch me with your barky hands? Yes, I did. Yeah. Does it stink back there, too? Yeah, it stinks like <laughs> hell back here. Ew. That was before we even got out of the city. Yeah, that was a great start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could play another. You want to hear another clip of Derek? cleaning up on day two um do we (laughs) i don't know day two was kind of funny because there are two cats we have two cats they have ridiculously stupid names their names are mr ding dong (laughs) and uh, mr marshawn now marshawn is named after it's not a dumb name but he's named after um Marshawn Lynch of the Seattle Seahawks. Oh my gosh, that is dumb though. I'm sorry. To me, that's dumb. I always feel like naming an animal after a sports person feels weird to me. It doesn't make sense in my life. I love Marshawn Lynch. He's an incredible talent, but I don't think I would have ever thought to name an animal after Marshawn Lynch in my house personally. But we inherited both of these cats. Ding Dong just followed us home and then somehow the owner found us and convinced us to take in his brother. And Marshawn knew his name and so you couldn't really change it yeah see i should say that i tried my hardest to convince katie and derek to change marshawn's name because i love the name ding dong yes absolutely love it (laughs) but i thought that marshawn's name should have been ho ho yes like the like the hostess treat yeah ding dong and ho ho i mean it's perfect yeah but ding dong's named after his intelligence (laughs) or lack thereof (laughs) yeah and ding dong likes his name the new name his original name was felix Anyway, Ding Dong's a pretty good traveler. Marshawn is not a good traveler. But you, did you change Ding Dong's name? I did. From Felix? Ah, because when you got him, you didn't know his name, right? Because he just wandered in. That's right. So he got his name because he was following us home when we were on a walk. And Derek just kept saying, turn around, Ding Dong, you're going to get lost. <laughs> That's so cute. I had forgotten that. Because he followed us for miles. So we felt like, gosh, the farther he gets away from home, he'll never find his way home again. Honestly, he probably is a very smart cat because he's like, I'm not going to, these people are going to give me food. They're going to take me in. They're going to take care of me. Oh, yeah. He's not so stupid. And then we made the big mistake because we didn't have any cat food. (laughs) We didn't know a thing about this cat, where he'd come from. So all we had was a can of tuna fish. (laughs) Well, imagine if you're a cat that's food obsessed like Ding Dong is, and all of a sudden you're at the gourmet table. (laughs) You're not getting cans of friskies. You're getting actual tuna 
It was a major upgrade. There was no way he was leaving at that point. <laughs> Does he still get tuna? <laughs> no, no. We tried getting him the product at Trader Joe's. It's called Tuna for Cats. <laughs> and to this day, it is the only thing I've ever seen Ding Dong not willing to eat. But he'll eat anything. <laughs> Yesterday, I accidentally spilled some popcorn crumbs on the floor. He came through like a dog and just cleaned the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> like, but anyway, he's a lovely traveler on the whole. And Marshawn gets very nervous with those nerves. He just starts feeling like he's got to barf and then he barfs. And then poor Ding Dong is in there with him. And so who gets covered in barf but Mr. Ding Dong? Poor Ding Dong. <laughs> yeah. So on the second day, we're driving along. We hear what sounds like a slight gagging sound in the back, but we're like, nah, hoping for the best. So we keep driving along and we hear Ding Dong. And he basically sounds like he says, guys <laughs> guys <laughs> and we look back and sure enough ding dong's covered in barf again then derek has to get back in there and clean it up i thought that was so funny though he's like help <laughs> <laughs> that night though we got lucky because the place that we stayed had a laundry mat in it thank goodness and i thought well maybe if we take the cat beds that are in this barfy smelling horrible cat pain container and I wash them. It'll somehow make it better. And really freshening it up in there, he didn't barf the rest of the time. Pro tip. This is really disgusting. Everybody's like, can we turn this vomit <laughs> talk down a little bit? I wanted to ask you, every move that I've made that I can think of, is, and when I say move, I, I don't mean within the same city, but like moving from one city to a different city, pretty much every single move I've made has been long distances, has been distances in which I'm flying. The experience of like taking off in a car and driving to your next destination. Was that fun, nostalgic? Did you have like a playlist that you made in advance? I'm moving mood. I don't know. That would have been smart. We planned actually very poorly for the actual drive. I think what was the most nostalgic part was we decided that we were going to drive out over the Golden Gate Bridge oh. as a way of really leaving the city behind we had to drive all the way through the city to get to the golden gate bridge <laughs> when you're crossing it and derek was driving and so you really have an amazing view if you're the passenger where you can turn around and you can see alcatraz and you can see the whole city laid out there behind you and that moment was the most nostalgic i think both derek and i got a little choked up because that really felt like you're passing back through the Golden Gate. You're leaving it behind. Mm. That was the moment that felt the most monumental. And I think that flying out, you can sort of get that because you look down over the city as you take off. Unless you're flying out of Seattle and it's just clouds as soon as you take <laughs> off. You can't see anything. But yeah, I think that that movement of driving, your mind just works totally differently. It really does. Because you're connecting dots of how does San Francisco fit with everything that's above it? And also just, you know, how movement on the road. I really want to do a show about road tripping because I just think so differently, especially if I'm alone. If I'm alone and I'm just letting my mind wander, I can be down so many roads in a single day. My mind just gets buzzing with ideas and thoughts and, and memories. And really, we should save it for another show because I really want to make a show that's like a road trip where we, we splice in songs that we listen to on the road and what they make us think of. And 
get some listener ideas and and that sort of thing sure especially because we just did a road trip as well not long ago and you know i haven't done that many road trips in my life never done a road trip by myself never never done a road trip in which i was driving not even for just like a day like for four hours or something. no i've never i've never driven any any distance by myself hmm interesting not that i can think of like i've never gone from one city to the next by myself long drives within the city three hour drive to get to work one day when the (laughs) formula e was racing in rome and i didn't realize and i was stuck in traffic for three hours but no that not like going from one city to the next never done that oh it's different it's really different just the way that it makes you think it's funny because i come from road trip people yeah. Let's, okay, let's commit to making a road trip show. Sure. And I want to make a, actually a shout out to the listeners before we end of stuff I really want to know from you if we're going to make a road trip show. Mm-hmm. But I come from road trip people. And when I was a kid, I had two sisters and my parents, so family of five. Mm-hmm. My parents just didn't really have the money to fly us all places. If we were going anywhere, we were on the road. And so my entire childhood is us driving from Minnesota to Wisconsin to visit cousins or driving from Minnesota to Pennsylvania to visit my grandmother. And then the major epic road trip, driving from Minnesota down to Florida to go to Disney World. That was our our big, big trip. Oh my gosh, that's so far. Yeah, and still my parents, my dad was just saying the other day, because they're on a road trip right now, if they were flying, they would be starting to get nervous the day before. But if they're going on a road trip, they feel like a different sense of calm. Like they're just going to get in the car and drive. And they like that so much better. Well, yeah, you definitely can feel more in control. More in control. Yep. And you can like read books to each other and stop weird places. Yeah, let's let's definitely do this episode because I actually have a few road trip. Claudio and I have a few ideas of our future road trips and kind of excited. So we'll talk about it then. Okay. So here's what I want to know from you listening so we can use it during the road trip episode. What is the food or drink that you are willing to consume on a road trip or perhaps always consume on a road trip that in your normal life you would not be found eating or drinking? (laughs) Interesting question. Okay. That's what I want to know. That's it? That's the only question? That's the main question I want to know right now. (laughs) I guess my second question, runner-up question, if there's a song that you really consider to be the ultimate road trip song i would love to know what that song is because i would like to splice some music throughout our road trip show because i feel like road trips really are punctuated by music mm-hmm. oftentimes what comes on the radio so i would like to hear that too your ultimate road trip song yeah i would just add i would love to just know what your best road trip is the coolest road trip you ever went on where specifically yes i suspect that this could be two shows so send any or all three of those things to us at bittersweetlife at mail.com or through the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Okay, get on it. So I'm no longer a San Franciscan. Now in the days leading up to the end of that time, and I'll just leave it here, I did an interview with a guy who's not on the show yet, but will be in the coming months. He was interviewing me for one of his shows. So he knew I was moving. And he said, well, I mean, if you're moving back, to Seattle, how does your show survive? I'm no longer on the road. Technically, I'm back where I started from again. (laughs) And I said, well, the search for meaning and place and having a a life that you really want 
doesn't end just because you end up back home for a while. Exactly. I can come up with ideas to, to keep this show going as long as it makes time and financial sense in perpetuity. And it can still apply to expats and it can still apply to dreamers regardless of how rooted I become at any given time. Absolutely. And I think that there's the expat life and there's the repat life and there's all of the issues that frankly might be even more complex and more intriguing. The things that you go through as someone who has moved back home from, especially from a foreign country uh, after a major experience. Um, and we continue to um, explore those. But speaking of um, making financial sense, we're on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah, we hit a big milestone recently. We're up to, we're over 30 patrons, which is really exciting. But we happen to know there are thousands more of you out there listening every week. So join the 32, I think we're at right now, who have pledged support and show us that you uh, believe in our show and that you want it to continue because we can't do it without you guys. Yeah, we are completely independent. So a lot of the podcasts that you listen to have some sort of network backing. A lot of them have some sort of station backing. Those people are making a living that way. We are definitely not. <laughs> and I don't know that we ever really expected to, but it is kind of a part-time job to run this show. And it is really just about putting your money in what you believe in. It's very public radio of me to say that. People always think with public radio or with things like a podcast that you don't have to pay money for it because other people are going to do it. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is most people think that way, that mm. somebody else is going to do it. I don't need to pay for it because they got this. And it really takes the leap of people realizing, oh, it's something I like and so I'm going to do it is what keeps things alive. It's the only reason why things live and then grow into something bigger and better is because enough people made this switch of loving it to paying for it. It's hard to pay for things that you don't, that you get for free. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But if you think about when you're at a restaurant, I mean, no one's going to hold a gun to your head and force you to tip your server. That's true. You know? Ooh, good point. If you don't tip your server, you're not going to be arrested, but everyone does it. Yeah. And think about how much more time you've spent with us. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but anyway, I do want to just say how grateful we both are for the people who have pledge to support us. It means so much to us. So thank you. Yes, very much so. So grateful for all the ways you support us. Telling a friend, telling your grandmother how to subscribe, whatever it takes. We're all for it. Leaving us a review on iTunes, also yes. very huge. Yes. All those things. And for reaching out to us. And for Lynn, Lynn Fortunato, longtime listener of the show, friend of mine from San Francisco. I miss you. And if you haven't heard her, she appears on episodes Medium Part 1 and 2. Yes, you never know that if you introduce yourself to us, it might mean that you end up on the program not that much long later. Yeah. But uh, shout out to Lynn for all the good company when I was living in San Francisco. I told Lynn that she was really one of the only things that I miss, and I stand by that statement. Aw. Until next time, <laughs> when we really open up this new chapter and see what the heck is going to go on from here. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, subscribe to the show, and pledge your support at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. And for goodness sake, interact with us on social media. 
Just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us a letter there too. Our logo is by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory with help from our muse, Caravaggio. Talk to you next week. Bye.